Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Welcome back to the podcast, Richard. Thanks for having me back. Good, good to have you back. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Well, today we're talking about processing and uh, the power, something you're calling the power of processing. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you introduce to us uh, why this is important? And, uh, you know, you, you, you often will cite historical leaders. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at the life of Christ and how he led today. He's the master teacher. And uh, yeah, we want to look at uh, what my dad always uh, referred to as processing. And there's great power in that. And we often underestimate that. And I, I would say that uh, if you really want to take your leadership to another level, you need to learn how to process. And so, uh, you know, it's been said that um, we, we learn from our, our, our we, we improve from our experience. Experience mm-hmm. makes us wiser. But that's right. not true. Reflecting on your experience makes you wiser. Some people have the same bad experience over and over and over again. I've, uh, I've told a talk before about the, the woman I work for that had been divorced five times. And it, I, but, but she never learned anything from any of those divorces. She, she kept making the identical mistake. She married the wrong kind of man. She didn't seek counsel. She didn't let God be a part of the process. Uh, she didn't get premarital counseling. Uh, she just did a number of things that all suggested that um, she's going to end up making the same mistake again. So after five failed marriages, her conclusion was, men are jerks, and I'm just not going to get married anymore. Well, the men she married were jerks, but, but she could have processed a lot more. Like if she thought through, well, what kind of man did I marry? What, what kind of due diligence did I do before I said yes? Uh, how did we go into that wedding and so on? She didn't process any of that. So she just was doomed to have the same experience over and over again. I had a, uh, I knew a man that was a, a pastor and he was fired from four churches consecutively. And all four churches said the problem was he was just not a good leader. So his conclusion was, I just never get any of the good churches. Hmm. Well, without processing it, it's easy just to come up with their own conclusions. If he had aggressively processed those events and said, what went wrong? What did, what's the feedback I received? Where did things start going south for me? What are the same uh, things that keep being said over and over again? Some things he might have discovered is, I'm not a number one uh, senior pastor, leader type person. I, I'd best be suited at best as a, an associate who doesn't have to be the, the, the front man the guy with the vision, the guy that takes the reins in his hands and lets, and says, giddy up, let's get going. Mm-hmm. Um, he would have probably, if he'd done some good processing, would have realized, I need a leadership coach before I take any other job. And he began at times to suspect he wasn't a good leader, but then an unsuspecting church, incredibly, would ask him to be their pastor again. And, and he would jump at the money. He needed a job. And so even though he knew in his heart he wasn't really qualified. He'd take it for the job. If he'd processed that, he would have realized, I don't even care if it is a paying job. I can't keep saying yes to things that are going to set me up to fail. Um, he could have mined all kinds of things from his experience, but he never processed. And so 
eventually churches just stopped asking him and he has been secularly employed for years since that time. And so for me, whether you fail or, or you succeed, the key is process. Take time to pull away and reflect and analyze and ask hard questions about the experience you just had. So I, w- I want to look at the life of Jesus. Of course, he was known as a rabbi, which is teacher. And in the, the Jewish kind of rabbi system, you would take students with you as you traveled about. You didn't just sit in a classroom. And so I want you just to see uh, really a very uh, profound and life-changing sort of way in which Jesus developed his disciples. He raised up leaders. And the account you find is in Mark chapter 6. And I want to just walk us through a couple of these um, verses. And it's a long chapter. I just want to highlight some. And, and if you're interested, you may want to do your own study later. But you get to Mark 6, and it, it shows Jesus is going around teaching. He goes to the synagogue in Nazareth, and he teaches. Uh, verse 6 says he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. And so the first six verses of chapter 6 Jesus is, is teaching, and the disciples are there in the crowd. They're listening to what he's saying. And then in verse 7, it says, uh, he called the 12 to himself. And I never want to miss the opportunity to say that a lot of times we talk about what's my calling, what has God called me to do. But the first calling you'll ever have is to a relationship. Uh, sometimes people say, well, I was called to preach, or I was called into business. Well, your first call was to, to Christ, to follow him. And if he leads you into the marketplace, that's where you go. If he leads you to uh, church, then that's where you go. But uh, your call is not to an occupation primarily. It's a call to a relationship to him. So, so Jesus calls them to himself, and he equips them, and he, and he gives them instructions. And then it says he sent them out two by two. So he's got 12 disciples, and he sends them out in pairs, and he, and he scatters them to go to all the different villages. Now, what's interesting about that is that Jesus, they, he's been teaching them, and, and if, you, if you will, in a classroom setting. Now he says, number two, you've, you've, you've had the, the teaching from the classroom. Now, number two, let's put that teaching into practice. Now, get out there and do what I've just talked about. Let's move uh, the information from your head to your experience. And so he sends them out two by two. He, you now, he gives them instructions. He tells them what to do, what not to do. And then, uh, then they, they go out and, and they do it. When you get down to verse 30, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Uh, so they're, now they're coming back. And this is, this is part three in the teaching process. So first, Jesus teaches them. Secondly, he has them practice what they've been taught. Third, he, he has them process what they've been taught, what they've experienced. And so it says in verse 31, he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. And really, when you read the gospels, you'll, you'll be surprised how many times Jesus is saying, let's get away by ourselves. Let's go mm-hmm. to a desert. Let's get in a boat and get to a, a, desert, a deserted place. And what Jesus typically wants to do there is to rest for sure but to process, to say, let's just get where it's just the 13 of us and let's talk about what you experienced. When, when you went into those villages and you, you encountered evil spirits, what, what happened? What, what did you experience? When you, when you were preaching, how did people respond to you? And when, what, did people criticize you? What were the questions they asked? 
And so Jesus now wants to help them think through uh, and learn from their experience. Because just having an experience does not make you any smarter. Reflecting on your experience, learning from your experience makes you wiser. Uh, and so Jesus says, let's, let's get in a boat, let's go to a deserted place, let's go to Bethsaida, and, and we'll process. And so they, so they get to the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee, but the, the crowds are on to them. He's Jesus, the miracle worker, has been spotted. And the people literally run around the lake, and when Jesus lands and is trying to get away, there's a crowd that gathers. And so Jesus begins to teach them. So now again, Jesus is teaching once again. And of course, the great teaching there in the hillside uh, is a famous time of teaching for Jesus. And it's so, the teaching is so good that the day gets away and no one has even thought about eating or what will happen with that. And so eventually the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, send the, the multitude away. It's almost dark. They've got to get going or they're all going to be stumbling around in the dark and getting into trouble. And, and Jesus challenges them and says, well, you give them something to eat. And I've, I've, I've thought a lot about, it, it doesn't really tell us in this account what Jesus was teaching, but um, at least in this, this passage, but uh, he may have been talking about faith. He may have been talking about how great God is, that, that God is a miracle working God. He's teaching this stuff, and now he turns to them and asks his disciples to do something that's impossible. Okay, you 12 men feed 5,000 men along with their wives and children who are present. He's asking them to do something that's impossible. And so the disciples again say, well, even 200 denarii would not be enough to feed this multitude. And, uh, and Jesus then proceeds to do the greatest miracle that he's done up to that point. And I think uh, most of you as listeners know that right up until Jesus' crucifixion, this is the only miracle that all four Gospels record. The only miracle in all four Gospels is this miracle here, because it was considered so magnificent to feed a, a multitude of that size with five small loaves of bread and two fish was unbelievable. And not only did he feed them, but then he sent his disciples back and they collected 12 basket loads of leftovers. Well, they didn't even have one basket load to start with. Yes. And after feeding 5,000 men and their families, they got 12 basket loads of leftovers. Um, absolutely miraculous. Now, if you've witnessed something that spectacular, it's probably time to process again. But, yeah. uh, but if you can imagine the size of that crowd and being 12 men who are having to carry basket loads of food to feed if you if you figure even half the men uh, have their wives with them and half the, the, the families have at least one child with them, they, they may have be 10,000 or more people there. And so 12 men are distributing food to maybe 10,000 people. They're going up and down the hillside making sure everyone's had enough. And there's probably some big eaters there and a free meal. I'm sure that uh, no one is holding back. And so Jesus realizes that they're tired. These disciples are worn out. They're peopled out. And so it says um, in verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. Now, again, if you, I've been, I've preached in a lot of churches. I've spoken in lots of conferences. And uh, if you stand by the back door and shake hands with everybody as they leave, that's exhausting. Yeah. Talk, small talking and hearing people's stories and and so maybe 10,000 people, Jesus is single-handedly sending away. Uh, and he doesn't have the disciples even to like 
you know, screen anybody out or, uh, he's just on his own handling that multitude and he's giving his disciples a break, which of course Jesus has to be the, the, the tiredest guy on the premises. And again, if you want to see good leadership, he, he's always concerned about his people, his direct reports. He's always saying, you guys are tired. You need to get away. He stays and sends the crowd away. So his 12 disciples can get some rest. Uh, again, that, that tells you something about why these men would later lay their lives down for him, uh, because he was constantly looking out for their own welfare. So he he puts his disciples in a boat, sends them away to get some rest. He sends away, shakes hands with everybody, talks to everybody who has a story to tell, everyone who wants to say thanks for the meal. And then when they're all gone, it says in verse 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, Think about this for a moment. Jesus has just performed the greatest miracle of his entire ministry. He's just spent all day until dark ministering to a multitude of people. He's exhausted. You would think the next thing Jesus is going to do is to say, if my disciples are tired, my word, I'm exhausted. I've, I've got to get some rest. Instead, what does he do? Jesus is going to process. Now, he may have let his disciples get off at the time being because they were too tired to do any serious thinking. But Jesus isn't going to miss that opportunity. And so he, not only does he process, he climbs a mountain to make sure he and God are all alone. And there on the mountain, now he's praying. And you, you have to ask yourself, so what, Jesus, what are you processing? What are you thinking through? Uh, well, do you remember in, when Jesus is, starts his ministry out and he, he goes into wilderness, he's, he's tempted by Satan for 40, or he's, he's in wilderness 40 days, and then Satan comes and tempts him. Mm-hmm. The first temptation is, turn these stones into bread. And people have thought, well, what all does this mean? And I think part of the temptation is, look, you've got powers here. You can turn the stones into food. And if you, if you want a following, if you want people to follow you, just start turning stones into food, and you'll always have a crowd around you all the time. You, you'll raise a horde of followers in no time. And when you, when you read the Gospel of John and the same account of this event in John, it says that after they were fed, uh, the, the crowd actually wanted to forcibly make Jesus their king. Mm-hmm. They want a king that can feed them all the time. Yeah. And it's almost as if Satan is coming back with a new temptation to say, I told you, look at that. You never have to go to a cross to get a following. All you have to do is keep turning stones into bread. And so Jesus has faced another temptation. And of course, when we experience success, sometimes that's when we're most likely to be turned aside. We're most tempted to let it go to our head. I've known lots of people that when they were lean and mean and starting out, boy, they were principled, they were working hard, they were focused on the vision, but now they've had success. Now people are all clamoring for their attention and their time and telling them how wonderful they are. And there comes a great temptation. We're, we're, oftentimes, we're much more vulnerable after success than we are after failure. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jesus realizes, I better get up on that mountain and spend time and let my Father explain to me what's happening, to make sure I stay on track. Even Jesus needs to process things. He needs to talk to his Father and say, Father, you help me understand. Those people down there wanted to forcibly make me their king, how do I handle this? What do I say? How do I keep the crowds from trying to do that? How do I protect my disciples from being seduced by admiring crowds? So he's up there praying, 
And then he sa- it says that uh, the, the disciples were in the boat. They, they entered into a storm, and Jesus has to come and, and uh, rescue them. And I, I've always thought it was interesting. Jesus is on the mountain praying. The disciples are moving on to their next assignment. So when a storm comes, who's ready? <laughs> the guy's been praying. Yeah. Uh, the people that were just running from appointment to appointment were far more vulnerable and exposed than they even realized. And so Jesus comes and he calms the storm. And, uh, and then if you just flip over to chapter 8, what happens in chapter 8 is that Jesus feeds another multitude, this time of 4,000 people. And after doing that, once again, he says, now let's get in a boat. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on. And uh, he's trying to get away with them. And he starts to get into a discussion with them in verse 13. And uh, what, I, what I think is very interesting is the disciples just can't track with Jesus. After, after, the, after the disciples have witnessed Jesus feeding a multitude of 5,000 people and then 4,000 people, they haven't learned anything from it. And so finally you get to verse 18, and Jesus says, Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And to me, what Jesus is saying is, have you learned nothing? You've just witnessed two of the biggest miracles ever to take place in human history, and you still are thinking as if you haven't experienced any of that. You've just watched the power of God in your life, and you're still worrying about the same little things you always worried about. Uh, have Have you been right there, present, seeing the power of God, and yet you don't get what the power of God is all about? And it's a classic case of disciples who'd failed to process. Mm-hmm. Jesus tries to help them process, but they'll learn later that every time you, you have an encounter with God, every time you experience success or failure, you've got to pull away and say, what, what do I learn from this? Uh, how do I live differently? How do I lead differently because of what just happened? If you, if you fail to process, you're going to end up falling into all kinds of traps and making the same mistakes over and over again, being the same leader at the same level that you've always been. The, the, the secret weapon of a leader is the ability to process, to say whether I failed or succeeded, if I will process this and mind this for every truth about myself, about leadership, about God, about people that I can, I'm going to continually get better. And so it doesn't matter what happened today. If you learn from today, you'll be a better leader tomorrow. Let's take a quick break here, and then uh, after the break, we'll talk more about how to process. Although we don't offer transcripts of the podcast, Richard writes blog posts on many of the leadership topics discussed on the show. You can find these and other resources at richardblackaby.com. So we saw how Jesus took the disciples away after big events, whether they're successes or failures, and processed what happened. What would you say to leaders today? Obviously, that there's a need for processing. Uh, what tips do you have? How can we apply these truths that, that you just went through and mark uh, in a way that, that helps us process our experiences in leadership today? Well, I think uh, Jesus, remember, when you see Jesus in the Gospels, you realize that that, that very same Jesus is the one who, who will be involved in my life. And if I learn what how he related to his 12 disciples, I can anticipate what he's going to do with me. And so if he's continually trying to draw the disciples away to be alone with him so that with him they can process. Now, that, I think that's an important qualifier. If you process on your own, you can gain some insight. Process with Jesus, you'll learn a lot more. And so draw a, a, away with him 
and then prayerfully just say, Lord, what, what can I learn from this? What, I, what did I just witness? What did you just do? There's a wonderful passage in Psalms where it talks about Moses and the Israelites. It says, the Israelites saw the acts of God, but Moses saw the ways of God. Hmm. In other words, the Israelites kept seeing the miracles, but how could you walk through the Red Sea on dry land? How could you watch 10 plagues on Egypt? How could you watch manna coming down, feeding you every day, and yet worry and fret that God wasn't going to take care of you in the promised land? Yeah. Well, they saw the acts, but they never went deeper. They never processed those acts to say, well, what does this tell me about the ways of God, the character hmm. of God? What, what can I take to the bank now and realize, God, this is what God's like. He's always going to act that way. Instead, he, God could provide for them 100 days in a row, and they'd still be worried the 101st day that God might not come through for them. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you don't process. And so I tell people just very practically, uh, whenever there's a, a major event, may, maybe you, your organization puts a huge conference together. And immediately after the conference, uh, you're exhausted. You maybe want to take a day off. Uh, but as soon as possible, you need to be pulling a- away by yourself and then as a team and saying, so let's walk through what we just did. What could we have done better? What did we learn about holding big conferences that will make us better the next time we do one of these things? Uh, what did, went great? And uh, what was the feedback from people? How did, we, how did we feel about our roles and how we could have done them better? I, I, I recommend to leaders after every event that of any kind of significance, just put it right down on your schedule. Uh, one of the first, before you start thinking about the next thing you have to mm-hmm. do, uh, take a moment to put to bed the event that you just hit, have done. So schedule maybe a morning and just say, I'm going to take the whole morning and try to mine everything I can about what just happened. And sometimes it's harder actually with successes because we think, well, it went pretty well. I just don't want to change a thing. Just do more of the same. But, uh, but why did it go well? Sometimes we, we, we can make the wrong assumptions. When things go well, we assume it had to, everything to do with us. Sure. <laughs> uh, but maybe that's not so. Maybe it was uh, an associate that really came through in the, in the pinch. And uh, maybe it was just a fortunate timing. Uh, let's make sure we understand what exactly it was that made us successful this time. Because if we get that wrong, we're going to assume that the next time will be just as successful. Right. And we may fall flat in our face. Uh, Same, we've talked about processing failures before, but uh, sometimes it's not even a success or a fail. It's just something that happened as a leader. You just had an encounter with an associate. Uh, You just uh, faced a problem and and you dealt with the problem. And basically, it, it seems like everything is fine now. But, uh, but still, take time to process that. Uh, and just keep asking yourself, what can I learn about myself from what I just experienced? And what, it, this is not necessarily always a solitary thing. Right. You can do this. Right. And I think, pro- and of course, with Jesus, he, he had all 12 disciples with him. So he had a group of 13 processing. Uh, and so I think it's always good to do some individual processing along with Jesus because we want to really hone right in on what we have done. But then I think certainly as a team, uh, you also want to get other people together. And, and one thing I would say as a leader, if you led the, say you, say you put a conference together and you had a team that worked very, very hard. If you really want to process, don't you immediately give all your analysis. Uh, start by say, asking the team, now what did you see? 
And, and as my dad always said, if you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. So ask, I'd ask God-centered questions. I'd say, what did you see God doing in this event? What did God teach you from this? Certainly ask personal questions too. What did you learn about yourself? Uh, if you had to do this over again, how might we have done this better? Uh, the next time we do this, what will we change? And and push for that. If you, in fact, I get frustrated with an, an associate. If I, if I lead a meeting right after an event and say, what would you do better? If everyone around the table says nothing, we've, we've, we've achieved perfection. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't ever just take that as the answer. Push them to say, okay, you guys aren't thinking enough then. You're you're not, your standards aren't high enough yet if you wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be negative or morbid, but I always know things could be better, and I know we could learn from every circumstance if we'll process properly. And so I push people. I don't, don't let them think that what you just want to hear is, it was great, let's move on to the next thing. I want to say, no, if we learn nothing from this event, we'll never experience anything better than this event. This may have been fine, but... I suspect we could do greater things still. So what can we mine from this? What can we process uh, so that the next event's even better than this one? So ask hard questions. As a leader, don't, don't take the lead. I mean, if you, if you start out and say, okay, we're going to analyze what, what happened, and you take the first 30 minutes to go on and on and on about what you think, then you turn it over to the rest of your team and say, well, anyone have anything to add? <laughs> You're, you're not mining. You're not going to get anything. You're not going to learn anything new. They, they already know what you think. Uh, so they're not going to necessarily, you know, counter that or, or challenge that. They're going to say, well, I guess you pretty well summed it all up, boss. Instead, uh, ask them and get their insights and realize sometimes every person has their own perspective. It's not necessarily even contradicting yours. It's just a different viewpoint of the same event. And it's the wise leader will try to get as much of a perspective as they can so that they can learn the most from that event, process it, and then always have a takeaway. Say, okay, so what are the things we will do differently because of what we learned as we process today? Don't just think about stuff. Make some commitments uh, to say, okay, these things we will now do differently as a result of what we've processed over this event, right, that we've just experienced. Thank you so much for helping us process. Yeah. Uh, you probably have a lot to process I about do. this I, podcast, don't you? I'm going I'm to go process <laughs> right now. Well, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.